The Wuhan virus is carving its way through the United States, giving President Trump the biggest challenge of his presidency. And I will go a step further. I'd say this is the biggest challenge of any president that I've ever had in my lifetime. And I've been around quite a while. Uh, Comrade Bernie got his ass kicked on Super Tuesday, part two. He makes a rather surprising announcement. And if I can really get to it tonight, and I'd really like to, and I may actually have a separate podcast for this if I can't get to it, we're going to talk about a really strange story. And it's just disturbing. It's not really politics, not really news, it's actually true crime. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. What a week! Oh my gosh! We actually had meetings today, and I hope none of you know where I work. That's okay. We had meetings this week. I may be working from home now. Hey, wow. Everyone's going absolutely crazy over the Wuhan virus. Now, you may have noticed in the past, I used to call it the coronavirus. I'm not going to do that anymore. Or COVID-19 or whatever they're calling it. I'm going to call it the Wuhan virus. And we're going to talk about why a little bit later. But let's get to the major updates about this... This pandemic, it's what it is right now. And uh, I actually have a phone call to my dad to talk to him. So uh, 135,000 have been infected that we know about. I mean, literally that we know about. We really don't know. Testing kits haven't been out there. The United States, when we talk about their statistics, we just have no idea. There's a a shortage of kits. It appears to be a virus. It appears to be the flu. So we really don't know who's got what. So we can't really... Let's take that 135,000. I think there is some statistics that will raise that by quite a bit. Two, three, four hundred thousand. We don't know. 4,972 people have died. Um, We think that is probably crap because spy planes over China have actually found mass graves in China. Oh, wow. A communist dictatorship is... Is there such thing as a communist dictatorship? I don't know. A dictatorship, a socialist dictatorship, in China might be lying about the number of dead. Yeah, well, it's about 5,000 and it's probably more. 69,000 have recovered. That's great. Uh, the problem is that's about a 7% death rate. That's not so great. The normal flu is about a 1% death rate. H1N1, which was really bad, was about a 10% death rate. So this is a deadly virus. There is no question about it. This is not a great virus. So let's get to the United States and we'll get into the world stage. Uh, The United States has 1,716 cases of coronavirus. That is up 415 cases from last week. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure this site I look at actually does real-time updates, but I'm sure that's probably a lot higher 
We're not testing for coronavirus in this country because we've had problems getting test kits. So I, I, I can't believe this is not higher. Um, the United States has, has had 41 deaths. Uh, this was from this site that updates real time. If you listen to Fox News, they said we've had 37 deaths. So I, I'm going to say we've had 41 deaths. Uh, the who the World Health Organization or who has declared this a global pandemic, which I'm a little surprised because I thought it was already a global pandemic, but apparently it wasn't. Uh, the NBA, NHL, MLB, and MLS—that's soccer for those who like sports—have uh, suspended their seasons, so that's done. The NCAA has done something unprecedented. And they have canceled March Madness and every other sports national championship this year. Unprecedented. A lot of people sit back and say, well, they could have waited 30 days and just suspended. No, but the NCAA has real problems. You're talking hundreds of colleges. So, yeah, it makes sense. Disneyland and Disney World has closed. They are no longer going to have people riding their Thunder Mountain or any of that crap. Matterhorn, it's done. All plays on Broadway have been suspended. As a matter of fact, New York went so wild and crazy and sat back and said, uh, crowds of 250 or more are not allowed to gather. And by the way, California did the same thing. I don't necessarily disagree. New York and California have put limits on public gatherings. That limit started at like a thousand and it's beginning to lower. I think it's I, I think it's 250 in certain cases it's 100. So there is a panic. Uh, New York has set up a containment area of with a one mile radius. And they've call, called in the National Guard to secure that containment area. Now, this is weird. There's not a lot of information on that. So what does that mean? Is this a containment area or is this a prison? We're not, we don't really know. That's the whole thing. And that's the problem with this whole virus. We don't know a lot. And I am not a panicky guy. I don't think this virus, I think this is a virus that is a virus. I, It's a virus. We don't know what it's going to do, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, California and Washington state have declared states of emergency, which means they are actually going to request federal funds for... Um, support of the coronavirus or of the Wuhan virus, excuse me. It is the Wuhan virus. That's what I'm going to call it. And that might be something that's important. Right now, California, I think, has two ships offshore, offshore that have victims of Wuhan virus on board. They haven't let them on shore yet. Uh, so I, I, I'm not necessarily thinking that's a bad thing. President Trump held an Oval Office address to the nation on Wednesday. And there 
were only, there was only actually one thing that he said that seemed to have any impact on the people on the left. Now, mind you, regular people, if they listen to the speech, they said, uh, is this really true? And we're going to get to President Trump's gaffes. And I don't know if this was a gaffe. This was not necessarily a gaffe on President Trump. This was more on a gaffe on his speechwriters. And I got a feeling people might be fired pretty soon. So let's listen to his speech. And I tell you what, it's about two minutes, maybe a minute and a half. You tell me what was wrong with it. My fellow Americans, tonight I want to speak with you about our nation's unprecedented response to the coronavirus outbreak that started in China and is now spreading throughout the world. Today, the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. We have been in frequent contact with our allies, and we are marshalling the full power of the federal government and the private sector to protect the American people. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. I am confident that by counting and continuing to take these tough measures, we will significantly reduce the threat to our citizens, and we will ultimately and expeditiously defeat this virus. From the beginning of time, nations and people have faced unforeseen challenges, including large-scale and very dangerous health threats. This is the way it always was and always will be. It only matters how you respond, and we are responding with great speed and professionalism. Our team is the best anywhere in the world. At the very start of the outbreak, we instituted sweeping travel restrictions on China and put in place the first federally mandated quarantine in over 50 years. We declared a public health emergency and issued the highest level of travel warning on other countries as the virus spread its horrible infection. And taking early, intense action, we have seen dramatically fewer cases of the virus in the United States than are now present in Europe. Did you catch it? Now, I did not particularly like the speech. Matter of fact, I thought the speech was pretty terrible. Uh, and I don't mean, but did you catch it? So, okay, let's get to the first point. I can't lie, the speech was crappy. And I, I cut off half the speech. So you didn't, you didn't see anything. It, he, Trump looked robotic. He stumbled. Uh, he was also cussing on a live mic because he had a spot on his suit. What made this worse was the fact that there were mistakes in the speech that he had to walk back minutes after the speech. One of the mistakes was that we were not going to import any products from Europe. Okay, well, no, let me, because I, I the speech was 15, 20 minutes long, so I need to explain. One of the restrictions was to stop European travel. Okay, he didn't say that. He said, we're going to stop all European imports. Okay, that was a mistake. 
no, we're not going to stop products, but the people who drive the ships are not going to be allowed on the land. He had to back that up. The other problem he actually had is U.S. citizens were not going to be allowed back into the United States. No, U.S. citizens were going to be allowed into the United States. And then the gaffe in the speech, and mind you, I said it's, I'm saying it's not a Trump gaffe. It's a gaffe in the speech because Trump doesn't write his speeches. The gaffe in the speech was that we're going to just completely destroy, your, uh, completely eliminate uh, travel from Europe, except for England, which means someone from France could fly to England and then take out a plane ticket to fly to the United States. In other words, we've got that bottleneck. We've got that problem there. It was a it was it was a god awful speech. It was a terrible speech. Um, was it Trump's fault? Well, yeah, it was. Trump should have read the speech. I would assume he read the speech, and he didn't find any issues there. And the book stopped there with Trump. It was a terrible speech. The other question I have is, who wrote this damn thing? I mean, my Lord, who wrote this speech and who was reviewing this speech? There should be about 10 people that are fired by the Trump administration tomorrow. It was terrible. Oh, well, here's the good news. Uh, you can count on the left to be so stupid that a horrid speech doesn't look that bad. And I got to tell you, they didn't disappoint. And this is the only sound clip I'm going to play about it. Because here, here's the thing. They all have the same narrative. They all have the same narrative. And I'm not going to even bother with it. And we're, we're going to talk about their narratives. So... Here's Ayanna Presley of the squad in all her bald glory. And I do, by the way, she she's bald because she has a disease. And I, I felt for her when she first announced she was bald. But now she's just a pain in the ass. So I, I just don't care. I don't feel anything. And she summed this up in a speech that she made to Congress. And the media and the other Democrats just repeated her narrative. So listen to this, and then you can tell me what Trump said that was wrong. This is for returning today. You know, since the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, we have seen not only the spreading of the virus, but also a rapid okay. spreading of racism and xenophobia. Uh, we have witnessed at the highest levels, in fact, of the Republican Party fanning irresponsibly uh, these flames. Um, one colleague tweeted that everything you need to know about the Chinese coronavirus, unquote. Uh, my district is home to nearly 32 percent foreign-born residents, with more than a quarter immigrating from Asia. This painful rhetoric has consequences. Uh, restaurants across Boston's Chinatown have seen up to an 80 percent drop in business. 
And I believe this has everything to do with the rapid spread of misinformation and paranoia. It is critical that we stand against these insightful messages and assuage fear in our communities. And we do that by dispelling untruths and misinformation. Uh, we can only do that by sharing the facts. And that is why I'm grateful to have you here today so that we can get to the truth about this virus. 30,000 residents across my district are uninsured. Well, I didn't listen to the entire speech, but she kind of gave you the whole thing. Um, I, I, it's, yep, it's racism again against a government that started this pandemic. And now China is starting to blame us. The United States, the United States military, they sat back and said that the United States military caused this. It wasn't China. Here's the whole thing. I am sick and tired of these people actually trying to blame the United States for everything. Um, the Russians tried to spread spin enough disinformation so that they could cause conflict within this country. Of course, they have the Democrats, and they did. They impeached Trump, for Christ's sake. They didn't impeach Trump because of his colluding with Russia, which, by the way, is our mortal enemy. They impeached Trump because of Ukraine, which by the way, is the mortal enemy of Russia. Does anyone see a problem with this? Well, here's the question. Are these people this stupid? Because uh, people are beginning to get tired of this. Trump is not colluding with anyone. And the big question has got to be, does China really want Trump as president? Trump has placed tariffs on China. They have killed, Trump has killed China's economy. But no one's mentioning this. I, I don't know why. So uh, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden have decided to have press conferences. I'm not going to play their BS press conferences because I don't care. I don't care about their press conferences because they never answered any questions. They made a statement that was scripted and they walked off the stage. Here's the problem with Bernie and Joe, uh, Sleepy Creepy Joe's statements. Those guys say something off a teleprompter. They don't have to answer any questions, which requires that you actually answer questions from the press. I hate the fact that they call these press conferences. They should be called announcements because they don't allow anyone to say anything. And they always talk they always talk about what they did. They never talk about the problem. And both of them went on the same narrative that Trump was a xenophobe, a bigot, a racist, a sexist, a whatever. They were both terrible. Go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. You can look at them both. It's never solutions. It's always problems. 
This is the problem. Donald Trump is dealing with a problem. He hasn't dealt with it great so far. He hasn't dealt with it terribly so far. But he's dealing with a problem. Here's the thing. This this Wuhan virus thing can get him another four years. It's going to take some time and it's going to take some discipline. So here's the thing. This is what Donald Trump needs to do. He needs to stop being an American and he needs to start being presidential. He needs to realize that the world is global and that he needs to be the leader of the free world. This is what he needs to do. He needs to take this virus seriously, and he has. In previous speeches, he didn't. And he needs to let the professionals speak. Do not talk about the Wuhan virus. Let a doctor, if someone decides to ask, hey, President Trump, what do you think about the uh, contagion of the, or the contagious nature of the Wuhan virus? What are you going to do? And then call up his doctors. Let them talk. There is no way he knows where the economy is going. Trump doesn't know where the economy is going. We don't know where the economy is going. We're heading to recession. Right now, we've gone a little bit beyond a correction in the stock market. But what we're dealing with is unprecedented. It's absolutely unprecedented. So don't try and say, hey, you know something? You need to do, this is a black swan event. I don't know what's going to happen. We need to solve this problem. And if we solve this problem, it's going to solve the next problem. That's what he needs to do. He Stop walking up and saying that the economy is going to be fine. You don't know that. He should sit back and say, let's solve this problem first. Because I think this problem is causing another problem. And then we'll figure it out from there. The other thing is, this is the first time I'm going to say this. Trump needs to, I almost said Obama, I almost had a freaking Joe Biden moment, but this is the first time that Trump needs to appeal to emotion. Panic is emotion. And this country is experiencing panic. He needs to deal with the panic and he needs to calm people down. Hey, you know something? Yes, this is not good. It's bad. Um, But I tell you what, everything's going to be okay. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. He needs to deal with the people's panic. You can go to Walmart in San Diego. There is absolutely no toilet paper. I just bought my girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, whatever she is. I bought her eight rolls of toilet paper because she couldn't get paper toilet paper from Walmart. And I just walked over to the local liquor store 
and bought eight rolls of toilet paper because people in my part of San Diego don't panic about this crap. Well, because most don't understand English, they're not legal, so whatever. This is the problem. Panic is emotional. And I can already tell you I'm not going to get into something else. Yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. But here, and this is the big one. This is the big one. And this is where Twitter comes into play. Stop falling into the democratic trap of partisanship. Let, let um, Jaws Nancy, uh, Chucky, Comrade Bernie, and Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Creepy Joe, be as partisan as you want. Let it go. Don't comment on it. Because here's the thing. The virus is nonpartisan. And by sitting back and saying these guys are being jerks makes out that this is a partisan thing. It's not. People don't care about partisanship. Ignore them. If they decide not to support a bill Trump supports, okay, point that out. But don't make a virus into a partisan issue. And Trump is doing that on Twitter right now. Take away, this is another thing, I didn't add that into the show notes, take away Trump's Twitter account. Someone tell Trump, stop tweeting. You don't know what you're talking about. Stop tweeting. Finally, probably the biggest thing, fire speechwriters. Those speechwriters, your speech was absolutely crappy, terrible, miserable. Oh my God, you looked bad. Even the orange in the face was standing out. It was terrible. Just get rid of those guys. It's no problem. I will have no problem with Trump firing his uh, speechwriters. Uh, I'll even say, yeah, you should have fired your speechwriters. They were terrible. So that's the whole thing. I, I really think this is a terrible tragedy. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. Um, this is a pandemic. This is a problem. I'm not being paranoid by being paranoid or panicky by saying this is a problem. But it needs to be dealt with and it needs to be dealt with by a leader. President Trump just needs to be that leader. And he can be if he can let his temper, if he can calm his temper. And I don't give a damn if he's from New York. He needs to calm his temper. So the Wuhan virus is a big deal. And I spent 26 minutes, 26, 27 minutes on it. But we also need to talk about another big deal. And that was Super Tuesday 2.0. And we're not going to get into the, uh, the fun stuff. But Bernie Sanders got wasted on Super Tuesday 2.0. He won uh, North Dakota and Washington State. But the wins were contested wins. Here's the thing with the 
Democratic primaries, and I think the Republican primaries should be like this, um, if percentages matter. So uh, Bernie won North Dakota, and good for him. Uh, but Washington, he won, but he didn't win by a lot. And so he only got a set of delegates in Washington. Um, he's, he's in bad shape. Uh, he lost states like Missouri and Michigan, and it was bad. It was really bad. He got murdered. I'm still looking at the... I'm not a statistical guy, so I'm not really sure about things like um, what his chances are. Right now, it's... Bernie has like 7, 10, and Biden has like uh, 8, 60 or something like that. So I'm not really sure how everyone has determined that Bernie has, or Bernie is gone. I, I don't know. But he's looking bad. He's two, three hundred delegates behind. He still has Florida to deal with. Florida, he's going to get smoked. There is no way he's winning Florida, and that's going to be two, three hundred delegates. California, he didn't win beans. So I would have thought, yeah, Bernie's probably done. But he decided on Wednesday to have a press conference. And um, if we, you know, the Dave rule, right? The Dave rule, I thought, well, Dave rule, Dave is a guy, he's my boss. I love the guy, and we talk all the time. The Dave rule, the Dave sat back and said, I... I told him Bernie was going to have a press conference and he said, Oh, awesome. And blah, blah, blah. And I thought Bernie was going to resign from the democratic, uh, nomination. He didn't. Let's listen to this. It's pretty hysterical. We are losing the debate over electability. I cannot tell you how many people our campaign has spoken to who have said, and I quote, I like what your campaign stands for. I agree with what your campaign stands for. But I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because I think Joe is the best candidate to defeat Donald Trump. On Sunday, I very much look forward to the debate in Arizona with my friend Joe Biden. I love this. It is so delicious. Bernie Sanders is a butthole. I, I, I'm trying to find a way to say something without having to edit it out. But he is a jerk. And he's going to destroy the Democratic Party. His Bernie bros are not going to vote. He's going to stay in this race till the bitter end. Now, the question has to be why. Why would Bernie stay in the race? He's... Uh, statistically, and I don't understand the statistics here, but statistically, he does not have a chance. Well, here's the thing. I think Bernie is doing one of two things. The first thing, he is trying to have a... trying to have an influence in the Democratic Party. Bernie's not a Democrat. He is a socialist, a communist, whatever. He's an independent. I don't know why he's running as a Democrat. 
He's not. He's an independent. And he's definitely a socialist. But Bernie has had major influence on the Democratic Party. AOC, Ayanna Presley, who you heard earlier, all based on Bernie's beliefs. I think I think Bernie is a power guy, so I don't buy that. I don't think Bernie gives a damn about anyone but himself. I think the second reason he's doing this is to screw Joe Biden. He wants to show that he is such an accomplished politician that him staying in a race will screw Joe Biden. And I got news for you. I think he's absolutely correct. He will screw Joe Biden. And, okay, the Bernie bros who are a bunch of freaking internet trolls will sit back and ignore anything. But I think there's a third thing, and I think this is an offshoot. I'm not sure I think this can actually happen. But Bernie finds that uh, Joe Biden can't, isn't cognitive enough to be able to deal with a presidential election. That Joe Biden is going to crack and he's going to say something or do something that is so far out there that he cannot be elected per the electorate. And that's what I'm wondering. Maybe Bernie Sanders is biding his time. And I'm not so sure that's a a bad strategy. Maybe he thinks that Bernie... I, maybe he thinks that. It, statistically, and I've heard this from a lot of people, Statistically, Bernie Sanders is out of it. But maybe he's thinking Joe Biden is going to gaff so badly that he'll have to drop out of the campaign. I'm not so sure that's not a good strategy. Hey, let's face it. On Sunday, and I'm thrilled about all this, I love the fact that Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are going to debate on Sunday. I am thrilled about it. I want Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders to debate, and then I want Trump to debate whoever. I don't care. This debate on Sunday is going to be awesome. And I think that maybe Bernie Sanders is saying, well, now it's just going to be Joe Sleepy Creepy Joe and me, Comrade Bernie, debating on Sunday. And it's not 17, 20, 30, 174 candidates debating, which is what happened. Joe is not going to have 13 minutes to actually say something. He's going to have an hour. And Joe can't go six minutes 
without saying something like, what? The guy doesn't even know what state he's in. He doesn't know if his sister is his wife. He doesn't know an AR-15 from an AR-14. I got a feeling Bernie is sitting back and saying, you know what, if I can outlast this guy, he's going to drop out. I'm going to be the presidential nominee. And I'm not sure that is a bad strategy. Let's face it. It's not like Bernie is paying anything. Oh, hey, uh, he's not a Democrat. He's a socialist. He's an independent. He loses nothing if he doesn't get in. He doesn't care about breaking up the party. He's a communist. He only cares about him. About his power. And he's trying to wrangle power from Joe Biden. This is the argument that people should make. Uh, if you were a party guy, if you were an American, why didn't you drop out? Because he could win. Because he could gain power. Okay, so I'm way over the uh, Dave limit. So let's, uh, I'm, I, I've got another thing. I, I think I'm going to do this on Sunday. It's a true crime story. It really bothers me. It's so disturbing. But I, I can't bring it up today. You can follow me on Twitter at RunFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can uh, download or listen to this podcast on um, the following groups. Um, uh, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube. You can download, you can watch the full videos or audio on my website. And believe me, this was a big one. I I did not bring up half of the video here. At www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Thank you.